attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Welcome to the Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Boom shakalaka! What's good, Hoopers? I am at NBA Wiz, also known as Maddie G. And joining me is one of the other Maddies of the Insight Podcast Network family, Maddie Malley at Live My Fantasy. How you doing, brother? Cool, mate. Very good. A uh, couple of uh, top two Maddies out of the three Maddies, I think, in the uh, Insight Network. But um, we'll keep that one to ourselves and hope the other one doesn't listen to this. Absolutely. Only by height and girth. We we love our other Maddie O'Brien very much, but he's doing an NRL pod and things like that. So we get to talk about the team that oh. is the Brooklyn Nets uh, and their 23-24 season. Mate, you're you're interested to see where Brooklyn can take us this year and what potential they have in fantasy, aren't you? Definitely. And I mean, we're looking at a team that's drastically different from the team we would have been looking at this time last year. Um, obviously, we've got um, no more Kyrie. Where we don't have KD anymore. They've gone off to what they think will be greener pastures for themselves. So, yeah, we're, we're going to see what we're left with and, um, yeah, where we go from here with this team. The Brooklyn Nets were a team for that have always had like the hype of being the next big thing, the next big team. Like obviously, we go back a few three se- three seasons ago now, and everything changed. That the landscape of the NBA was really hyped to see, and we never got to have the potential of that. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, turn a few pages, and now this team is radically different. And it's headed up by Mikhail Bridges more than anyone else. So I guess we're going to capture the preview and have a look at who's coming in, who's coming out of the season this year for them. Uh, Mate, tell us a little bit about what's going on right here with our Brooklyn Nets this season. Like who's come in and who's come out, Mally? Yes, we've got um, we've got Dennis Smith Jr. coming in. We've got Darius Baisley, Lonnie Walker the fourth, Trenton Watford, um, Amani Brooks on a two-way. We've got um, Derek Whitehead um, with the 22nd pick and one pick ahead of him, him is Noah Clowney at the 21st pick. And then all the way back at uh, a pick 51 is Jalen Wilson, who's also on a two-way, but had a pretty impressive summer league season. So someone we'll have a little chat about later. And then on the other side, out goes Moses Brown um, and just shooters for days. We've got Seth Curry, Joe Harris, our good friend, Patty Mills, um, and then we've got Edmund Sumner and Yuta Watanabe, another um, man who's doing it all in the uh, in the fever at the moment. I look at these outs straight away, and I am absolutely shocked that they've got rid of this many shooters. It's obviously, and we'll get to this later because you talk about the youth direction. I know that you prepared these slides and you got this ready for us uh, at Insight because you were just so keen to like latch onto it and be like, I really want to look at the nets. Uh, straight away, just even on paper or like even, I guess... The reality of basketball isn't how it's played with space when you have a team that has Ben Simmons on it. It's a team that needs space. And you take out some of the guys who are like, we're talking top tier shooters here. Like we're talking guys who are up there with Luke Kennard and they're like the top volume, not volume, top percentage three-point makers. Like guys who are shooting 40% like you to what Nave last season. Guys like Joe Harris, who's, I mean, he's been a bit a little bit maligned with injury the last couple of seasons, but he's still a shooter. Like Patty is a is a scorer and a shooter. And Seth Curry is a is a shoot like he's a shooter 
that's what he does. Are you concerned straight away that this will this will be damaging for the like for the Nets this season by ways that they've really acquired in those ins? No one who really fills that void as much as those outs by way of floor spacing. Yeah, I've kind of got a couple of handy three-point shooters, but no one no one that's going to compare with the Curry, Harris, and Mills, um, you know, combination. Um, and, I mean, you know, you talk about floor spacing with Ben Simmons. We've also got to remember um, that we've got Claxton in there as well, who is another man who um, isn't interested in taking a, th- a three-pointer. And, you know, he uh, he'll clog the lanes as well. But... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a look soon and see some different directions they might be able to take this team. But they've obviously, they've made no, um, pulled no punches about the direction they're going and away from these uh, more experienced three-point shooters. Yeah, 100%. In fact, the biggest news for me out of all these guys, I think, coming in, people have been really like, we'll talk about Lonnie Walker a little bit later on. And look, we're not really going to talk about Baisley much. Like he's there. His contract is a really interesting one. He's got the weirdest of the contracts that they've signed. When I was checking up on it, he's got $200,000 uh, guaranteed to him if he's still there on opening night. So there's no guarantee he'll even be there at this point in time come the beginning of the season. Like they could release him and just it only cost him two hundred k. If he's there on December 15, 700000 If he's there on January 10 and becomes a trade chip, he gets his full contract. So that's an interesting kind of positioning, especially by bringing Trendon Watford in. Because I'm like of two minds that they really want to have those guys find a role in this team because they are both those lengthy, rangy guys, bigger guys who can do that power forward, small ball center. But Trendon Watford, one could argue, is the better shooter. And I guess he's a bit like we had him hyped in fantasy last season when he started getting minutes in Portland. We're like, oh, he's got minutes, he's got minutes. And he started to put up some um, pretty good stats. Like he was definitely a streamable player, more than I would say Aisley could have been at times. So do you think Trendon Watford, uh, let's look not just short-term fantasy-wise, let's look long-term fantasy-wise. I'm of the opinion possibly that there's going to be back-end season value for Trendon Watford down the, down the line, but he's definitely one to keep our eye on in this team. Are you there or not there with him? Yeah, I mean, we got to see the potential of him, obviously, with the um, with the breakdown of um, the Blazers. So he got plenty of time on the court. And we got to see what he's about. I mean, I think there was a period of time a few years ago where Darius Baisley got the same opportunities. So we got to see mm. what he was about too. And I remember his percentages were shocking. And um, yeah. and they really seemed to work to get him a role in OKC. And they must have just had to get to a point where they said, no, this isn't working out. And yeah, I'm excited to see what Trendon can do and whether he gets any minutes on a team with, um, you know, with Noah Clowney coming in. Obviously, they're... they're they're hoping to give him a role in minutes as well. So he's going to have some competition. But, yeah, I think out of the two of them, um, Trent and Watford's a bit more of a Swiss Army knife. I think he's got a, a broader basketball game, which always, um, you know, converts well to a fantasy player as well. He can he can pass the ball. He can obviously get rebounds. Um, he's not afraid of a shot. So, yeah, I guess that's a little bit of a, a wait and see. Um, well, who's going to be there and um, and what role they give to him if he is there. And I'm really curious by him now. I think it's on paper, again, one of those things where you look at his overall season in his games that he played for Portland, uh, 62 last season. He had a 39% three-point clip as a power forward, like small ball center. And that's like, oh, geez, that's really great. And that's spacing. Yeah, but when he did see that increase in volume over the course of the season, uh, in those 12 starts, though, 
Um, 39.1, he did 12 starts. But over that, when he played those 14 games and his, his averages went up like to 12 points a game, five rebounds, 2.8 assists, and seeing 25 minutes a night. We need to see his volume of three-pointers increased, but his percentage drastically decreased down to the fact of it being only 26.6% from three, which is less than anything like obvious. It's, it's Darius Baisley numbers, basically. So they become almost the same player there, but he probably fits more of the youth movement more than anyone else. Uh, you put this together for us. I'm really curious for your thoughts, my man, Mally. Uh, this is their roster outside of Trenton Watford, who I'm going to put on right now as equal value. I'm just going to go out and say, look, I see him as equal value in Portland this way until we know what's going to happen. He's going to be one of those guys who comes in, fill some minutes in. I think he's got a role there. So what we're doing here is we're going, guys who can go either way, guys who are going to get up value plus value, negative value on where they finished overall for the fantasy season. So this isn't how they're going to be better players or worse players. It's like just strictly Mally. This is strictly from a fantasy perspective, whether they're going to get increased probably uh, over their rating of last year a decrease in their rating yeah, of last sure. year, or it could go either way. Talk us through what you've done there, mate. You know, I mean, I guess um, with Spencer Dinwiddie starting with him, we've got a could go either way. That definitely depends on what his role ends up being. Um, we're told we have a healthy Ben Simmons, um, and I think Brooklyn are in a position where they give him the starting nod at, uh, at point guard. That could move Spencer Dinwiddie to the two. That could move him back to a backup role. So... It's very hard to tell with a player like him what he's going to do. If he has the same role as last year, I'm assuming his his um, numbers across the board there will stay. Um, you know, he's at six and a half assists there. He probably was surrounded by better better shooters, um, which we've already talked about. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes. Mikhail Bridges, you see him climbing. I know that you've been um, getting amongst the the mock drafts and watching him pretty closely. He's a guy that um, is, you know, hot on everyone's lips. So I think uh, people would stop watching the video right here and listening to the podcast if we said he wasn't going to be a, an exciting man to watch and uh, follow this year. Dorian yeah, can you be imagine, Smith, Could you, you know, imagine the hottest take of this whole fantasy season being like, you know who's crap? Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't look, won't get yeah. a look inside the top 100. He's the, he's my second favorite Bridges. And the other one punches, <laughs> punches women, so... Yeah, we're probably we're probably yeah, gonna lean to the side of McCall. We're probably gonna lean to the side of McCall every single time. Yeah, hundred percent. He's a better guy and a better basketball player. We're, we got Donny uh, Dorian Finney-Smith there. I mean, I think out of this potential starting lineup, we're going to look on the next slide. He's he's uh, he should be the most nervous bloke on the team because I can't see him holding that for very long. Cam yeah. Johnson. Well, we're getting to see a little bit of him, bit of fever action at the moment. Um, and I've got him him moving up too. He's another year old, another year wiser, moving towards his prime. Um, you see his percentages there are, are pretty um, pretty tantalizing, 47% um, field goal percentage and 84% free uh, free throw percentage. That's, um, you know, I don't know, that excites me. Nick Claxton, the only reason I've got him with his little um, sad negative symbol there is because I don't know how much uh further he has before he's rubbing his head on the top of the ceiling um you know he's he's obviously his fantasy numbers are really and his fantasy ranking sorry is really um highly connected to his blocks i just don't see them staying as high like i don't i won't go as far to say he was a flash in the pan but i'm i'm a bit worried about whether he can be the same guy he was last year and we look at that he was um he was drafted at an average of 125 last year and um, he ended up giving it 
um, nearly top 30 value, 32 there. So I think a yeah, lot of I people look, who... Oh, yeah. Had, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I know a lot of people, as you're saying, were like, were like really just riding him out there. And if, if you had him on your team and if you had Jaron Jackson Jr., for example, who went late in drafts because he was on the injury status. I mean, I picked up Jaron Jackson Jr. late in the draft and I picked up uh, in the second last round or last round last year, uh, um, Brocky Lopez. Brooke Lopez. I, yeah. I picked them up. So yeah. I had I, I was just winning blocks almost every single I didn't have Clacco. I like Clacco and I and I like that you put him down like on his value of last year. Look, if he comes 45th value this year, 50th value, it's still a down. It doesn't mean we think he's a shithouse basketball player. We don't think that he's not doing his role of playing good basketball. We're just saying that it's going to be down on that really high ceiling you said that he was scraping his head on last year. Because if he's got two yeah. point again, his 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 value. His, his whole thing is buoyed by blocks at 2.5. If they go down to 1.8 blocks this season and his steals go from like almost one a game down to 0.7, all of a sudden he's at like 2.5 stocks combined where he was only getting, he was getting 2.5 blocks alone last season. So he does lose value. And this is what we need to see with the whole Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton like experience right now on a team that, yeah, needs some spacing. They didn't, they lost a lot of it. They've got, I mean, look, I'm not going to say they shoot poorly, but they have lost great shooters. So these guys can shoot. They can, like, you can you can throw out DFS. Sure, he can hit some corner threes. Mikhail Bridges was an outstanding... I think we discount the thing in Brooklyn. that You're talking about Mikhail Bridges as the number one guy in town, and he is, and we'll talk about him more. But you need to remember his role in Phoenix was the catch-and-shoot in the corner guy. So if they need spacing, he is very familiar with that. So it's not like he's yeah. out of the running and not shooting shots anymore from the corner because he's always been that guy. We just need to see if who's going to be controlling that offense. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, well, how do you think that's going to go either way, mate? Well, I mean, again, that's another man who's um, sitting there nervously in his chair, looking at the health of Ben Simmons, because if, uh, if Ben moves into that starting lineup and we see Spencer not move to the two and end up coming off the bench, I think that kind of spells the end for Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, he's, He's a through a fantasy lens. He's a, a steals guy. You can pick him up when you um, when you need to finish strong in your steals category, um, and nothing else really excites you there. Especially that forty one percent field goal percentage. He's just not a shooter, um, and I don't I don't think um, in this point in career we're going to see him develop much of a shot. So um, yeah, then we've got underneath him we've got Cam Thomas. I've given him a little bit, bit of a plus symbol. I mean. He's another one who whose name, and we think back to a past uh, season of fantasy basketball and him putting up the, that string of 40-point games. I think that excites people a little bit. But, um, yeah, he's another one with a big question mark. Royce, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, uh, potentially a second or third lineup that the Brooklyn Nets might go with. He's another person who's, um, again, waiting to see what his role is going to be on this team. We saw a little bit of what we'd never expected to see out of Royce O'Neal last year, a man who could pass, a man who could mm. hit a three ball. And on a team where we thought this guy's not going to be able to do anything with the talent that was around him, he, he was all right. He played his role really well. Um, we he's, ben- one of those jack- he's one of those jack of all trades guys. You're right. Like He was pretty much yeah, took that yeah. mantle from Bruce Brown in Brooklyn, man. You're right. He was... Royce O'Neal was a guy you could draft and who would just give you some a dribble of stats across the board. But that, like, on an, on an aging team, like, for, he's an aging player on a youth-moving mm. team. 
I, I definitely see that they, he's just dropping out of that rotation, or he's definitely someone who can be traded to a contender, you would think. Yeah, and and maybe you just have the fond memories of Royce O'Neill from the from the previous fantasy season, and you know don't don't try and get back um back on the Royce O'Neill bandwagon or train because I don't think that train's leaving for a station that's going anywhere good. Uh, the other probably second hottest name on this list outside of Macau Bridges is um a, a close friend of yours and mine, Ben Simmons, um Fever superstar. <laughs> um. But it, it, they say he's healthy. They say he's recovered. They say he's, um, you know, coming back to old form. I don't know. I got to wait to see to see if if any of that's going to be anything close to the truth. But he is just one of those guys that if if someone's going to pick him up, you've got to because the um, potential that he is still somewhere underneath the shell of a man that he is at the moment, a, a top thirty basketball player in fantasy. Yeah, it's um, it's an, an itch you want to scratch, isn't it? It is. It is. Look, I'm going to come out and say it, and I, and I haven't said it all season, and I've actually waited till we've been doing this Brooklyn Nets thing. I'm going to be taking Ben Simmons in a couple of drafts and absolutely having a crack to see where he comes. If I if I see him sliding down where I've been seeing him, like the ADPs and things are changing on Simo pretty quick, um, because again, as you said, he's the hottest name. Like this this whole myth of Ben Simmons, like what are we getting out of him? Well, we just don't know. So preseason for me, if I see him play decent basketball, I am going to be tantalized. I am going to be absolutely, I'm going to be so keen to see what happens with Ben Simmons. And I will be the first one to say at the end of the day, goodbye. See you later to me. It's going to be like, like my this. My wife always says, not tonight. Yeah. It's out. He's done. He is going to be out of my team and I'm going to drop him and someone can pick him up on the waiver wire quicker than like like just lightning quick. But I'm so tantalized by Ben Simmons this season. Doing the steals thing, doing the blocks thing, doing the solid field goal percentage thing, knowing that he's going to take my free throw percentage away, but the assist that he can give me, the rebounds that he can give me. A, a healthy Ben Simmons is a tantalizing all-NBA player. We have to remember this is an all-NBA player. This was an all-star yeah. player. And, you, and these guys, and look, he's... Not only is he healthy, his personal situation, from all accounts, has improved now as well. So he's yeah. kind of had a change in life direction. So I would really welcome Ben Simmons to be healthy, play good basketball, and get himself inside an Australian jersey and represent us. Like I'm the first one to be like, I, I, I forgive all the bullshit that's going around with Ben Simmons. If he can play the game of basketball again, because that's the thing that gets that, like I guess, forgiveness in the fans, playing the game, playing the game well, and then... In Australia, we want to see him in the green and gold. We might say, no, we want, we've got a good team. Well, yeah, we might, but we also want the best basketball players that our country has to represent our country. Nice. And if he actually keeps yeah. his word, and if he absolutely keeps his word and plays for us and says, you know what? Yeah, it's time. I'm healthy. All my stuff's behind me. I want to play and I'm going to play. And he puts it on and then plays a game. Well, then all's forgiven by account because you have to move forward at a point and stop just writing him off. You've just He's either going yeah. to be written off or you just got to forgive him at a point and move on and hope for the best for people in this world. And I really hope that happens for Simmons. This, this is my year for him to make amends for everything and come back and to be that player that we want Ben Simmons to be. There's my Ben Simmons yeah, rant. Feel, One minute of your life, you won't get back. I kind of feel like he's the um, he's the the lady on the dance floor. The lights have come on at three o'clock. You're like, I'm not going to go there again. But you've had a couple of black labels and you go, 
I'm going there again, aren't I? You talk I'm about, going there oh, again. I'll give him one more chance. He'll get one more chance. And I bet. I haven't given him a chance. Yeah, I haven't true, given him one. True. This is my se- this is my season. I'm going to give him one because all the other rhetoric and yeah. bullshit around Ben Simmons for the last couple of years, I've just been like completely off him and like the whole like thing in Atlanta, like that pass out. Look, it wasn't his fault. Like he's doing it. Like he's the guy who's scared off. He should have flushed the basketball. I remember watching that game. Like I'm not even going to go back down there, but there's something going on in the guy. And so if you can change that, he's still the player that he is. Like this is a guy we talked about as a Magic Johnson level superstar. When Joel Embiid was out and he went on that run, we were like, look at this guy. His transition game is amazing. And I'm not going to say he's some he's still the same ascendant talent. Well, no, because he's been injured and he's getting older. But he's still a knowledgeable basketball ball with one of the, the best visions in passing in basketball. And that's what he needs to do yeah. in this Brooklyn Nets team. And yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Our last guy on this one is someone who I know. We've got Dayron Sharp down there. Um, yeah, interesting to see what he does in that backup. Yeah, Day- skip over him. He's he's he's, he's going to have more value this year because he's going to probably get more minutes um, with old mate Moses Brown going out and there's that backup role there. And Lonnie Walker, we're putting him down on value. You were telling me off air before. That's because his role here, he's in a timeshare and we'll get to him a little bit later on. He's got that timeshare tag. And we said it was probably more of a flash in the pan and indignant of the Lakers organization last year needing to give him so many minutes that he had some form of fantasy value at times then it's not the same situation in Brooklyn this year, yeah? No, if you look at a depth chart, he's just he's he's too far down. I mean, he was very lucky, I'd say, to get the minutes and the opportunity he got on the Lakers, and that might have been the height of his career, but we'll see. So, yeah. Now, mate, I'm I'm very curious over this one because we, we, we've done the Ben Simmons rant. You put together your projected starting five. I am not here with you on this one. I'm 100% thinking that Ben Simmons is – in my mind, my starting five is Ben Simmons as the point guard, Spencer Dinwiddie as shooting guard, uh, Cam Johnson small forward, Mikhail Bridges power forward, Nick Claxton um, obviously holding down that middle. I'm scared absolutely shitless that if you do that, all of a sudden that chart that you've got up there right now, if you're watching on YouTube, all of a sudden there's two big red zeros in the three points per game. Like I'm, I'm scared mm. about that spacing thing. I, and I don't know how long it lasts for. I don't. But I think they're going to give Ben Simmons the chance with everything that I'm hearing. But you think they might just ease him back in. Tell us about it. Yeah, I think this is just the safe, safest houses lineup, isn't it? Like, I think whether they go with this or not, it's the it's a lineup that I think is the most comfortable. It, it looks like an NBA team. You've got a, a tall point guard who can move the ball around. He can shoot all right. Uh, Mikhail Bridges as the um, the offensive focus, the the gun of the team. Dorian Finney-Smith there just being a, a, an absolute role player. You got Cameron Johnson, who is a bit of a Mikhail Bridges light, and then Nick Claxton, who is a a, a, a center in the old sense of the word. Um, I think the other variation of this team we might see is um, Ben Simmons come in and play point which would knock Spencer potentially to playing the two and everyone just rolls back and Dorian rolls out. So Mikhail's back at the three, Spencer's at the two. But then I've, I've seen, and it might it might be a little bit of clickbait, but it definitely, um, it definitely made me do a double check. They started talking about the possibility of a lineup that would look like Simmons playing like a point center. So he, he takes the ball up and controls the ball. He moves the ball and on defense, he plays the center role and guards their big. And then that would lead Mikhail Bridges, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, and Cam Johnson um, out on the floor with him, which 
I don't know. I think that might be fantasy, fantasy basketball there where we're going like two levels deep in fantasy. But it's, yeah, it's exciting, the thought of it. So I'm the only thing that I've got with this one here. And, and, and look, again, I'm not convinced that the Brooklyn's going to know what they're going to roll out there and Jackie's going to, you know, Jacques the Shark is going to figure because he's a knowledgeable guy. He's a good coach and I think he's going to play with it. I actually do see a role where in the games that I've seen Ben Simmons play with Cam Thomas, because of the spacing that Cam Thomas gives, I'm very curious to see how they build that fantasy lineup. So let's just take two guys in that point center. And defensively, you've got that presence of uh, Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas seems to show something else. Like this is, again, one of those years for Cam Thomas where it's like, like, let's show us those 40-point games. Yeah, but like, then he gets ripped off the court and we don't see him again until the and then silly season. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So do anything else. Or do anything else. Do anything else under the the guise of being a basketball player apart from score points. I think his interview the other day was like, Yeah, if I was a starter, I'd score twenty five. Yeah, twenty five easy. Like, yeah. yeah, cool. You can score twenty five yeah. points. Yeah, but can you rebound or or, or pass the basketball? Like his usage yeah. rate, when you look at his usage rate last year, Cam Thomas. Off the, whenever he's in this thing, 26.8%. He has the highest usage rate of any player in the Brooklyn Nets last season, and he's not even their best basketball player. That's some heliocentric basketball Cam Thomas dream fantasy where he wakes up every night. It's like, yeah, I'm, really, I'm the next Michael Jordan, and he's not. But if you have a lineup of Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas with Cam Johnson, a tale of two Cams, and you throw Mikhail Bridges in there, you've actually got a bit of defense and a lot of length and you can have Ben probably play that center role in a small ball lineup. And you could have, if Cam can be a team player and initiate some offense, could you imagine some like some off ball movement for Cam Johnson? Or, you know, because you're not going to get a popping situation with Ben Simmons, but I'd love to see Mikhail Bridges as a, as a screen and roller, as a lob threat. He's so long. Like, that's, that'd be fun. And it's an exciting team with the um, with the different um, lineups they could potentially roll out, you know, and maybe Vaughn tries, you know. I think they're not going to have the record that they had last year, and I think they'll get to a position where he can be a bit more flexible with his rotations and really try try on a few different hats and see what fits. But, um, yeah, it is, it is exciting. I think it's, as I said, it's kind of like a deeper layer of fantasy beyond fantasy. It's looking at, you know... A, a fantastical version of this um, Brooklyn Let's starting five. So just before we move on as well, yeah, go for it. If, if I said to you, um, as far as not, not end of season rankings or anything like that, but you're making this yeah. team in order from the person you think's got the highest chance of being on the court to the lowest, mm-hmm. and we don't have to go uh, Trent and Watford low, but w- what do you reckon? <laughs> Macau's definitely at the top. Who's next? Who's your next safest bet? Uh, oh, Cam Thomas. So Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. Cam, Cam Johnson. I think is the most next safe. Like they've just obviously re-upped his contract, so they're definitely looking to give the Cam uh, Cam Johnson experience a go uh, in Brooklyn. Like you don't pay that kind of money, and you don't want a guy to stick around and build a future under a couple of young superstars. Look, he's also just good mates with Mikhail. Like they've got this whole thing figured out since Phoenix together, um, and they yeah. were beloved. They were beloved. Like I was talking to my mate Nate Hand, who did the Phoenix Suns preview with me, and he was like, "You're talking about the two guys who are the most beloved guys in Phoenix." And I was like, "Wait, more than Booker?" He's like, "No, no, look, Book. It's Book is it's Book is town. Like it's Book is city." But the beloved guys of the of the Phoenix were really Macal Bridges and Cam Johnson. So I see these guys being endeared to fans. I see them being endeared to the organization, and I definitely see them being the number. But the guys go out there in this youth movement. Obviously, that's then probably followed by Nick Claxton. 
um, in this whole hurly-burly world. He is, for all intents and purposes, apart from Ben Simmons, I see as the equal third best basketball player on this team. Yeah. And I'm saying that because just purely, just analytically, I like what Spencer Dinwiddie does. Like, he's serviceable, but he's also, again, another aging person who's just been bounced around for team for team. So for me, I'm really just thinking that everyone outside that, I, I don't see yeah. anyone being more useful than those two guys. Yeah, they're yeah. on the same tier of usefulness fantasy-wise. So I'm really not looking to draft anyone outside in Brooklyn apart from Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Nick Claxton straight off the rip. If I can get some value later on in guys like Cam Thomas, if he's showing – if something shows in the preseason where I can get them, yeah, absolutely, um, I'll get there. Like Spencer Dinwiddie will be, uh, will be a serviceable player. And Ben Simmons, of course, as I said, I'm probably going to look to draft him if he's really fallen late and bring me some value. But those are the three main guys – Simmons is definitely a draftable player this season, 100%, because of his upside. Uh, And Spencer Dinwiddie is draftable at the back end of drafts if he's still hanging around uh, until we know what's going to happen with him. And also, he's healthy and unhealthy. So are you on the similar page there, or or is that just – or you, or you, anyone else you're thinking should be in that lineup there? I was like, must own. No, no, I, I agree with that. I think, I think you summed it up quite well. I just couldn't uh, stop drifting away in my own mind and thinking about Spencer Dinwiddie coming back for his second crack with the Nets and pulling back into the car park and trying to find his old car space and you know nodding at the uh, at the at the uh, security guard who he knew from last time and he might yep. go again then he might come back and do his finals tour in five years time or something and yeah 100%. they might. <laughs> It's just an beloved, beloved Brooklyn Net, beloved Brooklyn Net, Spencer Dinwiddie, and he was very happy yeah, to come back. Just, yeah. When you need him, he'll be there. Like, this is what he does, and yeah. like we're talking about these guys, and uh, the man in town is Mikhail Bridges. Like he is, yeah. You put you've written this down. I love it. He's an NBA thirst trap, and I know he's got you so good. His field goal percentage has gone up with more defensive attention. WTF, and that's interesting because yeah. the, the one thing that really with Mac- like Mikhail Bridges last season, the c- most curious thing for this was his mid-range attempts went up. Yeah. Like this is a guy who became Kevin Durant in Brooklyn after Kevin Durant left. Like he yeah. was Kevin Durant light. I, I, look, for, uh, the, the, yeah. the one thing that, and this is the one thing that we need to, the one thing I want to draw attention to straight away is that why I loved him. I've been high on Mikhail Bridges for years. I. Again, I hate Nate Hand. He's my best friend. I've known him since childhood. But he started – I used to try and get McCall in drafts before he would, and I'd get him in, like, the 50s. And, like, you know, I'd get him around the – he's kind of like Jalen Williams now. You know, he does all those things that Jalen Williams does with probably less scoring in, in, in Phoenix, to be fair. So I know if you want to comp, I, I see these guys as those, you know, those 3 and D players. The, he, was the, he was the arch type for that. And so you can already see when he's moved from the Suns to the Nets – that all the energy that he's expelling on offense naturally leads to a slight decline in defense. Now, yeah, his rebounds went up slightly, but his steals were down from 1.2 to 1, and his blocks were down from 0.8 to 0.6. And a lot of his value, apart from that mass, he managed to make it back up with his points per game going up and his threes going up from 1.8 to 2.5. But what I loved about Mikhail Bridges was the defensive stats that he got me. Like two stocks a game was tasty. And if that stayed with the rest of this stuff, you're looking at a top clear 25 player every season. And then you, I think, uh, unfortunately, that's the way that the pendulum swings. When you when your offense goes up, your defense uh, goes down. You know these are these are human beings. They can't do everything on the court. Um, if he can if he can stick at a steal and a block with these other percentages and numbers he's putting up, 
it, it, obviously he's still in that, you know, 20, 30 range that people are taking him at. I think he, he kind of, um, yeah, makes people feel comfortable about the range they're taking. But just those people listening on the podcast, just looking through this comparison we've got with the start of the season with the Suns compared to the end of the season that he played with the Nets. He went down two minutes, but he nearly went up 10 points from 17 to 26. His usage went up 9%, which is unreal from 20 to Mm. 29. Um, The three-pointers on a team still surrounded by three-point shooters at that time uh, went from 1.8 to 2.5. Field goal percentage, even though only marginal, seemed to go up as well. He's gone to the number one offensive threat, like you said before, and he still managed to creep up nearly 2%. Free throws stayed where they are um, while getting to the line more. Rebounds marginally up. Assists down. I think that might be something that comes up this year if we had to pick a category on this list to see some some growth and improvement. And I think the steals mm-hmm. at one and the, uh, and the blocks at 0.6 in his Nets tenure are probably what we're going to see. And I've just my, my last little comment on Mikhail there before, um, you chat more about him is that we've got to remember too that, and I feel like this is always a bit of a, um, a fantasy uh, a situation that we find ourselves in that uh, these small forwards drop really quickly. I know in my top 100, my, my list at the moment, I think I have 15 small forwards and obviously the number should be, I guess at, at 20. So you have a five, five way 20 split of, of these positions, but I think the small forwards are still someone that you really want to grab early. You know, I think that was mm. a lot of value went into um, someone like KD for that because not only was he an excellent player, but he was also a guy who filled a filled a spot in your team that was um, hard to fill later on in the draft. And 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 I don't know what you have to say about his um about his unworldly um, amount of games played. That that's something I always try to ignore a little bit i mean there's people like gordon haywood out there when they get injuries and you think well this is this guy but we we seem to have short memories on people's injury past and we also cling to that with someone like him i don't wish any ill upon um the lovely mikhail bridge but what's to say he doesn't have a 52 game season this year and and ping something and 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 sits out so i try to ignore that in my summation of him the beloved Mikael Bridges. I love the guy. If I could get, if I could probably say top five guests to have on an NBA podcast, if I had to have a roundtable of guys, I would love to be like, hey, who do you like, Maddie? Who do you want to get on the show? I'd probably say Mikael Bridges would be in my list of guys because of just the guy that he is. His love of video games as well, like us. You know, we're all big two K fans and mm-hmm. gamer fans. But just the way that he comes and presents himself, like he really is one of these guys who ingratiates himself into an organization, into his fan base. And I also love the fact that he was the one who was also dressing down DeAndre Ayton over in Phoenix. Like we also have to forget how serious this guy plays his basketball, Like he is a competitor. And the thing that I really want, I'm really curious for him this season. And I think you summed it up there best, Matty. He makes you feel comfortable. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like whatever you want, Mikhail, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with what you want to do. Yeah. It's fine. You're it's a easy sweetheart. Because you're a sweetheart. You're, I'm comfortable with taking him in the twenties. You know, like I've seen, I've, I saw one person take him in one mock draft in the first round, and I thought that was like straight up, like that's a hype train toot toot. If ever I've heard one, but you're getting Mikael Bridges mid, even mid second round towards twenty, like at eighteen, anywhere in that from eighteen to thirty zone. I'm just comfortable. I know there's probably better yeah. like guys who are going to get a return, like a Donovan Mitchell. I'd much rather around there, possibly, just because of his potential breakouts. And again, I'm very curious to see 
if Nets go full tank, I don't think we will see the un, this game streak lasting of Mikhail Bridges. I think there'll just be common sense as played instead of him just checking in for 20 seconds and checking out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we'll see that with him again. But this is a guy who I love for one thing. I love his volume of shots that he got last season. Uh, after the trade deadline, he went up to 18.6 attempts a game. And I also like what he can do for your free throws. The thing is, he settles for that mid-range a little. And the thing is that they went in. The, the crazy thing is the mid-range. But the second the mid-range game stops going, he needs to attack the bucket because this is an elite free throw shooter. It's almost at 900. It was 894 for the season last season. So he can clip him down like very, very well. And again, with more free throw attempts, he's shown that he can continue to make his free throws, which is a very good thing for a basketball player to do when they're attacking the rim. But if I, if he can do that role thing, as I talked about, and some like set those screens and act as a roller, as well as he, his ability to pop, he was at, after the trade deadline last season, 6.6 attempts a game. And if he can up that to like, I like to get up to about seven or eight in those small forward guys, like my Jason Tatum's. You know what I mean? Like my Jason Tatum kind of player, those guys, when they really, you know, get to the line, because Jason Tatum last season was at the line eight times a game, straight out after the, the final stretch of the season, he was at 819 clip. And this is kind of like in my head, I see him as a Jason Tatum-esque, Kevin Durant-ish kind of guy in town here in Brooklyn. So I want to see him get to the line like Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum in the last, uh, since the trade deadline in the exact same period of time, was doing similar things, but he was the 17th best 17th best value overall after the trade deadline last season in the same sample size as McCall being the 26th, according to Hashtag Basketball. So yeah, I'm really keen and curious to see what he can do there. Um, he is the man in town, and he's going to be the name that's going off first in the Brooklyn Nets uniform. This one we're just curious by because we were talking about like the whole Thomas versus Lonnie Walker thing, whereas we think it's going to go to, obviously to Cam Thomas, but there is talk that they're going to give Lonnie Walker some leeway here to get some minutes, obviously because of Jack Vaughn's unhappiness with how Cam Thomas can't shut his mouth. Is that what you see it yeah, is? And, yeah, and basically, you know, they've, they've had Cam Thomas there and they brought Lonnie in when they didn't have to, you know. So obviously leadership there sees him on the court and and maybe they're just hoping that the rest of Cam Thomas's game catches up. And and maybe, I mean, you talked about his um, his media interview before and he obviously loves himself and loves the game that he plays. But uh, maybe this might be a bit of a humbler to him as well. Him looking and going, "Damn, I'm, you know, I'm still fighting for a spot in the second rotation." You know, um, I've got there that Lonnie, Lonnie's proven. You kind of know what you're going to get with him. Um, you, you look at their stats, though. There's not a great difference. I mean, even coming down to their height, they're they're kind of the same build. Um, they they don't rebound. Neither of them get an assist. Their free for, uh, free throws are. Uh, a percentage apart, so are their field goal percentage. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time looking at these two, but it is worth thinking about because both of them, I think, are going to be fantasy relevant, certainly in 20-team leagues, but probably down to your 12-team leagues as well. And this is such a thing. He's got a contract. The club exercised their right to retain him this year, so he's only cost them $2 million a year, 2.2. They've got a $4 million contract on him next season. So if he doesn't toe the line... I can see that the club doesn't exercise that option. Yeah. Like I can very much see a world where they're like, yeah, thanks Cam. See ya. Like we just shut your mouth, get out of here. Like I could pretty much yeah. see that on his cards in a way. Um, the Brooklyn Nets summer league play, nothing really inspired me. And I think the guy there who's probably the most tantalizing for me, they're so young. 
dude, these dudes are some yep. young guys. Like, like yeah, Clowny babies. and Whitehead. Dorica's like 19, and the clown stuff. Um, I've got to start calling Noah Clowney Stephen King. Is um 19 years old as well. So this is that power forward center spot that it's we think Clowney might be. Freshly 19. Like, it's it's yeah, ridiculous yeah. how young these guys are. Like, they're really yep. going all youth movement, yeah? Yep, definitely. And, I mean, it's a shame that we didn't get to see um, Derek play in Summer League. And it looks like, from what I've, what I've read, that he's he's boots. He's got he's in the boot at the moment. They don't, they don't seem too worried about, um, you know, his injury. And I think they're in a, in a luxury position, too, where they don't – they're not going to win a title this year. They can bring him along nice and slow. They can coddle the injury a little bit. And they're excited with the play they have there. Noah Clowney, I mean, the advantages he has is he's got um, Dairon Sharp ahead of him um, <laughs> playing the center position. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's not difficult to see him moving into decent rotation minutes. It's not like they're, um, they're trying to prioritize Dairon. Um, he's somewhat. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, guys, 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 we need to get Dayron out there. He's the man of the future. Let's get Dayron out. Yeah. Which, if we got the, we want to get a team with the coolest names, we've got to get Dayron out there a little bit more often because we've got a guy called Spencer Dinwiddie. So we're really struggling in the names, uh, in the names department. So we've got to chuck some cool names out there. So we'll we've see what Clowney does. His summer league was, yeah, yeah, Derek. That's a cool name. I mean, Clowney's cool even a kind of cool name as well. Um, the biggest <laughs> surprise there was Jalen Wilson. Obviously, he got a little bit of um, a little bit of attention, a little bit of play at um, at the at summer league. Um, those numbers there are kind of uh, are decent enough for the 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 minutes that he played. You know, he only played seventeen minutes, but five points not that exciting. He can let go of a three ball, two and a, uh, nearly two and a half of those. Field goal percentage and free throws aren't too bad, but he's still the fifty one, fifty first draft and he's on a two-way so i think again if you're in a keeper league these might be a couple of names that you're really paying some close attention to but for the the season that is 23 24 i don't think we're going to have to worry too much about these boys so i've got one question for you before we go to our final slot on this mally uh i've got a silly season starting five challenge for you and just because we're talking about this youth movement, we mentioned it before. Let's say they just go like, look, you, we're not within this. We're not going to just, you know, we're not going to send out our new prizes in Cam Johnson and McCall Bridges out there to play every single night and, and, and basically get numbers on a bad team. Like we've seen good players get great numbers on bad teams before. So we're going to roll the dice out there. We're not going to, we're not going to put Spencer out there. We value him as the veteran presence in the locker room. We don't want to risk an injury with an injury guy from the past. So we're going to roll out a starting five out there. Um, silly season starting five. Who is your Brooklyn Nets silly season starting five lineup? Because if it goes south, I would love our punters to know exactly who they need to get on that waiver wire and have a good look at straight away. So who would be your silly season starting five in this town? Well, maybe by that end of the season, we might be able to get to see a little bit of what um, Whitehead can do. Um, You've got to put um, Cam Thomas in that list. I think at that point of the year, he might be one of the only reasons that tickets are sold because people are rubbing their hands together, waiting for another 40-point game. Um, I'd like to say Clowney, but I, I don't have a lot of faith in him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you'd think it would be a young team. They're in this awkward position now where they're not quite a rebuild and they're not quite a, a um, you know, a, a championship contender. So it's a little bit difficult to, yeah, to, to kind of 
surmise them. They might give someone like Dayron Sharp uh, a minute, some minutes in this silly season setup. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess it's just the youth, isn't it? I mean, um, when yeah. I say youth, I mean the youth, youth, because this is just a young Jeez. team. Um, yeah. But this is a layer underneath with these their kids, man. They're like they've just 100%. just flicked over from eighteen to nineteen. But I'm excited on this list. I'd love to see uh, Derek Whitehead out there, and obviously Cam Thomas as well. Just how about yourself? Is I'm, there anyone who I missed there that you think would be out? No, I think those are the guys. I'm looking back at it. Look, you could probably roll Dennis Smith Jr. just because you've got him on your team if he's still there after the deadline and play the point guard yeah. spot. I think you could probably then roll into. I think you'd probably then roll into Derek Whitehead as a small forward and leave Cam Thomas as your shooting guard. I then think you can probably play Trendon Watford as your power forward. And then it's either like a who's who of uh, Noah Clowney or Dayron Sharp as your center. I think that would be probably a very fun, dumb, I need to lose some games to guarantee myself a top five lottery pick next season uh, kind of team for them at the very end of the day. So I pretty much see it rolling. I probably see it rolling that way, which brings us to our final bit. Mate, over under 37 and a half is the current uh, line on sports bet. Are you slamming the over? Are you slamming the under? Is it is it too good, too bad, or is it just in the Alice Wonderland zone of, uh, sorry, the, 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 uh, the, the Goldilocks zone of just right for these guys? Oh, it's boring to be a fence sitter and say 37 and a half is exactly all right. Have them. If I, if you, you're holding a gun to my head. You're jama ranting me. I'd say I'd have to yeah. go probably under. Um, and it pains yep. me to say it because I think this will be an exciting team. I think even though their their coverage, I think, has gone down. What do I have here? It's it's taken a bit of a blow. So they had 23 nationally televised games last year and they're down to 11, obviously. Now they don't have KD, Kyrie there. But I just think they're going to be an exciting watch. I'm going to be firing up the old league pass to get on there and see what the boys can do because I just think they're exciting. They're young. They're fun in this league with other young, fun teams. You know, the Spurs, OKC, I put them in that same kind of position. Um, and it's difficult because they're going to be compared to a um, a win-loss percentage from last year, which was really carried by the team at the start of the year. Um, but, you know, we saw what Macau can do and I think they must have been excited when they kind of um, unleashed the beast. They they knew what kind of player they were getting from um, from the Suns, but when they brought him over here, it's almost like he really blossomed and came into his own. So, um, yeah, they're kind of in a they, – they probably thought, oh, here we go. Like, we, we thought it was um, closed curtains, but, you know, we're still putting along, so – how about yourself? What do you reckon? Over or under? Where would you put your money? Yeah, I'm, I'm putting my money on under. I, I think I see it coming close. I don't see them flirting with. I mean, they did start last season with a two and five record under Steve Nash before Jacques Vaughn stepped up, and they were 43 and 32 afterwards. So they were a plus 500 team in that stage. But as you said, then the trades and everything happened. They, they played, funnily enough, for a young team at a really odd pace for over the course of the season. So I'm just, I'm not there yet with what they can bring. And also it was their defense last season that they were 13th out of 30 on the season, looking at it like as a collective. So they're kind of middle of the pack and middle of the pack teams. I can see living around 400. So about 40 games, 41, but then I just see them leaning into the tank again at the end of last season. So after the trade deadline, like they, they were only won 11 games. So if they choose to really roll into that, I think see them being like a 35, 36 team. So I, could, I yeah. think this is probably baked at the right temperature in Vegas odds and sports bet odds. Uh, so I'm probably going to think they'll come at – it's going to be one if you're a punter 
that you're going to be looking at, like just really sweating bullets at the end of the season with about four games to go and what they do. And if Cam Thomas decides to go for 60 and get a win randomly, um, you're not going to like him very much. But I think it's probably going to be around 35, 36. So I think this is a really interesting one to make the the bet go up or down. But I, I reckon they'll be there at the end of the day, Mally. Mate, thanks so much for joining us for this one, mate. Pleasure. I'd be lying if I said I'd had anywhere else to be, mate. Besides here, this is this is uh this is my home now. You're gonna let me in? You got room for I'm one gonna, more, Matty? Mate, I've I've just made up the guest bedroom. I've put down a loofah and some beautiful shower gel for you. And uh, mate, go and oh, have mate, a shower, get, get yourself into bed, and get you get to scrubbing. It. And thank you so much, mate. Take care. Ball out. We have been an Insight NBA podcast. Brooklyn Nets under thirty-seven and a half, Matty. You're over. You think it's gonna go over? Side wager? Nah. Yeah, nah. yeah, righto. Just because Ooh, it's interesting, let's go over. Go on. <laughs> All right. All right, mate. We're both taking that. And a great season. Great to have Brooklyn Nets. Take care. We'll catch you soon.